Tonight's show is brought to you by Ventura Training and Athletics. Restore, train, maintain. Specializing in the restoration of the muscular system to help you move and feel better. Combating TBI, PTSD, and pain through specialized strength training. Again, get your body right, get your mind right, defeat the demons. This is the Veteran Trash Talk Hour, hosted by Nick, Dave, and Joe. Today's special guest, Holly Road Distillery, a bunch of Marines who went airborne to feel army. <laughs> hey, welcome to episode 19 of the Trash Talk Hour. Um, raise your cups today. It's going to be a great episode. Our special guests are Lieutenant Colonel Dill and Lieutenant Colonel Brooks, two Marines on the show. So um, I know we got some shit to say, and we're going to have some fun with that. As always, I'm here with Nick and Joe. And, of course, Buddy is going to deliver his honesty cap right from the jump. So uh, let's get it, Buddy. Over to you. Yeah, so uh, so honesty cap. I was uh, driving around today uh, because that's what I do. I'm not allowed in the house, so I drive around. And, uh, and go places. Uh, I happened to be driving around today. I was trying to think of what I was going to say for the Aussie cap and uh, serendipity happened. And uh, an, Aaron, an old Aaron Tippin song played on the, uh, on the radio. It was called uh, You've Got to Stand for Something. I don't know if you ever heard it, but uh, basically the gist of the song is that if you don't have a foundation um, for what you believe in, then you're, you'll fall for anything that anybody puts in front of you. Uh, that has anything of uh, substance behind it. Um, and it kind of strikes a chord, especially right now, especially in the, in the, in the States where, you know, the, everybody virtue signals and talks about like, you know, they stand for this or they stand for that. They don't really stand for anything. They, uh, they just allow the, uh, the winds of whatever is popular to blow them in whatever direction that they want to go to. I feel like uh, as far as veterans are concerned, I think that we get instilled a little bit better of a foundation uh, while we're growing up. Uh, you know, you, you join the army or the Marines or the Navy or the, uh, the air force even uh, for a reason, because you want to serve other people uh, and do something more for the community uh, and for your country. And I think that foundation is built or started there. And then it, it even goes more when you get deployed, especially for the guys that have been, you know, in for the last 20 years or so that have been deployed, seeing other countries and seeing other people, uh, you know, that have different cultural backgrounds, different foundations. And you kind of see, you know, how they live and, uh, and then you come back here. Anyway, honestly, Cap is, uh, you know, we need to solidify our foundations. I don't care what you stand for, but stand for it for a reason and have a foundation for what you stand for. Stop changing from, you know, this week I'm against like, you know, whatever. And then next week, well, I'm for it. It's fine. Like you can do it as long as the people that I like are doing it. It's okay. Like grow a set of nuts and stand for what you fucking believe in. And then do that all the time. Be consistent. Uh, that's all I got. And now I read the script and I'm supposed to hand it off to Nick. I just wanted to prove that I read the script. Go ahead, Nick. I'm so proud of you, buddy. That was awesome that you were able to get on on time today and you read the script. On time. Phenomenal. Dude, it's Bill. I'm sorry. I I had to say it. Bill's right there. 
I could I could have uh, said that much better myself, but I appreciate your uh, honesty, Cap, uh, buddy. Uh, we have a special guest that just showed up. Uh, we got Bill, the Mad Russian, uh, Sergeant Major Pearson, is uh, on the net from NTC, where he is with the greatest unit of all time. He talks about and how they are doing such great things for this country. Training. Uh, Bill, you probably don't have much time, so before I go into my cap, what do you got to say? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going on, uh, what are we looking at? Two weeks with no shower, and it's been in the hundreds the whole time. So uh, you guys can probably smell me from there. And uh, yes, uh, I, this, I might end up having the same hair uh, hairline as Joe by the time this is over, because... Basically, we got the uh, first time a division has done this in a while, and these stupid-ass OCs don't know that we're not a brigade. So how the hell I got gassed an hour after the main division LD'd, uh, I'll never figure out, because all the OCs here are absolutely retarded. That's okay. So. Our, our, our guest is uh, we have two lieutenant colonels that specialize in risk management. So obviously your division commander didn't think that they'd get gassed an hour after the war started. Uh, we could probably get into, get into that later. Hey, Bill, what's wrong with my hairline? Why a division headquarters is so close to the plot in theory, I will never figure out. What do I know? But seriously, yeah. what's wrong with my hairline, Bill? It's not as beautiful and as luscious as mine or Dave's. Not even close. Oh, Bill. Not hey, even Bill, close, Joe. I can never be that pretty. For you, can I tell you? Because uh, because we as an army have decided that the headquarters needs to be in the fight because uh, we don't want to we don't be in like we don't want to be in another country where we can support without having to be supported. It's crazy. Oh, we and were, hey, Beck, I got to talk to you offline after this, but. I had yeah. a an ODA tell me they can't conduct their mission set unless I give them a guy with the faith pads, which to me makes them the worst ODA in the history of ODAs. But what, uh, what uh, what what group? Third. Yeah, it's not Buddy's group. Of course, it's not Buddy's group. It's more like an ODA. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the the groups don't all get along. We've already we've already covered this before. But uh, so, what does fifth group got to say about that? Hey, look here. Fifth group can take over countries on horses and not even fucking worry about it. Don't you worry about us. Okay. Hey, hey, Bill, are you going to be able to hang out for a little bit? Uh, should I go into my soapbox or what do you got? Yeah, go for it. I can, I can hang out. Hey, All Bill, right, cool. I got to tell – Nick, I got to tell him before you go. I'm sorry. Do but, it. Uh, but, hey, Daniel said after Holly's next fight, She's more than happy to come on and pick UFC against you and me. A oh, I'm winning. So it's got to be a gonna, real card. It can't be some card full of no Well, she's fighting in a main event coming up. Yeah, well, she's fighting in a main event coming up. So when she actually – I'll tell him what date for a pay-per-view yeah. and say, man, work on her for that one and, and see if she'll come on. But, dude, a world champion picking against us. Yeah. That would be a, a riot. Yeah, that's Wait, pretty epic. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. You stop. What Holly are we talking about? Holly Holm that knocked Holly Holm that knocked out Ronda Rousey 
is friends with Dan- Rhonda is, right in the face. Hey, is, is listen, she is hey, the Marine. The Marine that they're doing. I don't care. Oh, I'm gonna fight hey, you. Throw it, throw it a good word for a single step. <laughs> single step, dude, homie. Like, what you got? <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna tell her to hit you with that question mark kick that she knocked out Betch Gohea with. Be like, listen, show dude, it to him. I would, I would, I would let him. Holly Holmes punch me directly in the face. Her nickname's a preacher's care. daughter. I think she's a little outclassed on you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Everyone is over is out class of like is over me in class. Yeah, buddy, maybe maybe you can find her on Tinder. I, I don't know if she has a profile. Let's see. Maybe you have to swipe right a couple times. Uh, but yeah, we'll get in, we'll get into that a little bit later. That would be awesome for those of you watching right now. Uh, well, not right now, but when when you watch the uh, the show is we do UFC pickups uh, for especially for good fight cards. Now the Mad Russian and Trigger Joe Britson they go at it, and right now Trigger Joe is winning in the in the picks but they're picking over 90 percent when they both agree on the fight and the outcome it's literally 90 percent so if you're a gambler it's a you know if you're a degenerate like that you probably want to listen to these guys you might make some money and then get into the the right side of the, the household six when she's wondering why you spend all your money so my soapbox isn't going to be too long either because we want to get into the the guests here we got an awesome guest uh veteran known business uh with uh coal out distillery so we'll get into the, so i won't be too long However, it is, it, is, it is a little, you know, it gets at me a little bit. I wanted to talk about the Detroit Lions, but I, I'm, I'm not going to because you just, you just don't kick a dog when it's down. You know what I mean? So it's like the Lions haven't won in years, you know, since the 60s, I think it is. But, you know, I'm a Packer fan, and the Packers beat the Lions twice last year, and they didn't lead for one single second of either game. I don't think that's ever been done before in the NFL where they kicked two game-winning field goals with no time left, and that was when they actually took the lead for the first time. But they play each other on Sunday, so I'm hoping the Packers score a touchdown right away just so that we don't have to keep rubbing that in Joe's face. But, uh, you know, social media gets me going. I love it. It's why we started this. Uh, I just, I mean, I got this young drill sergeant, old soldier of mine, you know, and he's on there and he's posting some good stuff and he's trying to, you know, get people pumped up about the army. And then this guy gets on there. This guy gets on there and he's complaining about the fact that the drill sergeants aren't allowed to do the shark attacks anymore. And they're not allowed to cuss. And so that was kind of the idea, right? And this guy gets on there and says that drill sergeants are not allowed to do the shark attack anymore because there's gay people and women in the military now. That was the quote. And I was like, okay, you're dumb. All right, like you're like you're one of the dumbest people of all time. I was like, hey, buddy. I was like, you do know, not Buddy Beckwith, but I was like to the guy. I was like, you do know that there were gay people when you were in the army. They just weren't allowed to say it. All right, and I was like, you do know that uh, the first woman special forces person dates well before you were born. You know, so it's like, um, not sure what you're talking about. That kind of brought me into a thing that I've been discussing with some other people about service industry right not necessarily the waiters and stuff like that but i'm talking about the service jobs teacher fireman cop military okay we don't bring in any revenue we just don't obviously we have the brand like the marines have a brand army has a brand they make a little bit of money off of that but for the most part teachers don't bring in any money firemen don't bring in any money policemen don't bring in any money all right and in any profession you pick there's hard workers and then there's shitheads that are getting by Okay. It doesn't, it has literally zero, nothing to do with your sexual orientation, your gender has nothing to do with it. 
you got people who try really hard and you got people that don't. So not every guy who joins the military is a hero, period. Not every cop is a good cop. Not every fireman is going to run into a burning building. There will be firemen that freeze up, right? That's just, it's just the nature of the beast. We've all been deployed. We've all been in firefights. There have been times where I've looked at a guy in a firefight. I'm like, he's out of the fight. Like he's not in it. He's out, right? That, that just happens. However, that narrative will never change with society. As military members, we're always going to be the hero, all right, for the most part. Teachers are always going to be the smartest, the awesome heroes. Cops actually, for the most part, regardless of what the press says, are, you know, are great people, and, like, and that's the narrative. What we have to do is police our own ranks. We absolutely 100%. And I struggled with this when I was younger in the Army. I was like, what the hell is this old Sergeant Major talking about, about being a steward of the profession? All right? I didn't really know what that meant. Right? And, and, it, and as I grew up and I matured a little bit, which not a lot, because obviously I sure to says quit being a trigger. At all. At all. Drinking on a freaking talk show. But as you, know, as you mature a little bit, it's like, you know, when you go outside and the taxpayer who pays you know, his taxes and pays for your military and for your cops and property taxes for your firemen, that's the reason why a damn fire truck looks so shiny because that is a symbol of the community. And when they leave their firehouse, everybody knows that, yeah, that's my tech. That's my fire department. Look how awesome that looks. Right? And that's what the military tries to go with. You know, it's like when you leave outside the base, the, the fort, whatever the post, right? Like you're still a soldier. You still represent that community. And again, I hate to break it to some people, but some of y'all ain't studs. Some of y'all, you know, aren't heroes. Some of y'all didn't try. Some of y'all didn't care. But again, we still have to police our own. If you see somebody doing something stupid, now the military is pretty good at that for the most part, except that you go to Fort Hood. Like, obviously, we covered that with Buddy Beckwith. Nobody knows what the hell is going on there. But, like, so – but for the most part, we police our own. Hey, put your hey, put your boot laces in. All right, hey, walk straight, get in line. Right, we police it. That's all I'm asking. We used to, to we used to police them, Nick. We used to police yeah. them. I see a we lot less to. policing going on these days. But we're the ones in charge, buddy. Like I mean, as I call out old Sergeant Major, hey, hey, I'm Bill like, just yells, "Get off my grass!" Bill just yells, "Get off my grass!" Yeah, Bill's a Sergeant Major now, so all he cares about is grass. But that's not a big deal. But he's in fire, so it doesn't. All right, man. Hey, easy, easy. We call those the, the chalk block drip pants, our majors, and I am yeah. not one of those dudes. But hey, hold up! I can't. Uh, I've got a. I've got a confession to make. So uh, part of my part of my new job at Fifth Group is taking care of the Memorial Field, and every time I'm out there and somebody tries to make a short cross or a shortcut across the field. It's over. Nice but, hand is out. Hey, I, I'm glad you hey, brought Bill, that up, buddy. Because what are you I doing? You're killing the grass. I felt ridiculous the first time. It's, it gets yeah. a lot easier. But get used to it at that point, uh, I always bring up to my soldiers. I was like, you know, the first time I heard "Don't walk on the grass," and I was like, it was everybody's like, oh, when you were a private or base. I was like, no, no, when I was in college, uh, when I was playing football in college, they, my coach said, I don't want to see anybody walking on the grass, and he wasn't military. His whole point was, is you never cut corners. So if you're a lineman and you block your first assignment, your second assignment is to go to the second level, right? Get the linebacker. 
right? His point was is don't cheat on your first assignment to get to your second one, right? Because now the whole play's blown up. But if you just go from point A to point B and do your job, right, we're going to score a touchdown. And it's just, a, it's just a discipline thing. But we bring it up, and I'll, I'm going to close out here pretty quick uh, before I, I get this everybody triggered about it. Is like even doctors. Doctors don't bring in any revenue. Hospitals do, right? But doctors, doctors are smart, right? They're educated. But not every doctor is a great freaking doctor. And when it comes to science and that kind of thing, I'm a little confused with the, the Rona right now to where I just finished reading a book called uh, The Ghost Map. So you guys watching the show, check out The Ghost Map. It's about the cholera outbreak in the 1850s. And the guy that figured out where it was coming from, from shit, right? Not the air, right? It was coming from shit. The guy who figured it out was an anesthesiologist. Could you imagine today if an anesthesiologist said, hey, I know what Rhone is all about. We tell him to shut his freaking mouth because he's not a disease expert. Right, but like the dude was the smartest, like he, he figured it out. And as much as I keep reading about science, I'm pretty sure we have to keep questioning science until it becomes a law, right? I think that's how it works. Like you keep questioning it and questioning it and questioning it until, but can't fucking question it anymore. So I guess we're just gonna call it a law. Like gravity works, shit fell down, right? Now we figured out, we can actually put the math to it and it falls at this pace. Like we actually know that, right? But so again, not every, Doctor is the best doctor. Not every teacher is the best doctor. Not every infantry guy is a hero. All right. But for the most part, please your own damn ranks, no matter where you are in life. All right. If somebody's screwing up and ruining your name, fix it. All right. Just fix it. Stop being a pansy, kind of like what Buddy was talking about. All right. Like, just fix it. Okay. That being said, we got Eric and Ian from Kolau Distillery in Hawaii. Aloha, gentlemen. Uh, they are a retired. Well, one's still in the reserves. One's a retired lieutenant colonel. They're always in the and, Marines, Nick. Don't ever say that again, even when they're right, out. Because once the Marine, always the Marine. And now we were going over. I asked for a short bio. And now you guys haven't heard the song yet, but we make a song for every episode that kind of makes fun of our guests. Uh, I'm tracking both of you are airborne, right? Yeah, that, yeah. You got a thumbs up for airborne. So at least you did something kind of cool, you know, like kind of army, you know, and like that, that's pretty legit. One thing that we struggle with, and uh, the SF guy was able to point it out, is actually I'll let Buddy say it real quick. We looked at your resume. What, what was it missing? Man, I'll tell you what. I read that resume several times, and and while impressive, I have just one question. You spent a lot of time doing a lot of schools. Didn't get down to Fort Benning to hit that Ranger school though. I'm trying to figure out what happened. Did you did you not get told? Did they not like what happened? I don't get it. Like I, that's one merit badge you didn't you didn't grab. I'm trying to figure it out. Well, that being said, welcome to the show, Eric and Ian. The show the floor is yours. Tell us about your business. Well, first off, uh, thanks for having us, guys. Um, been watching your shows uh, once we found out about you guys. Uh, Appreciate what you're doing for everybody uh, and small businesses that are better known. And just coming out and speaking some honest truth. People like hearing that nowadays. And if they don't, well, they can suck it up. Um, but a little bit about Cold Owl Distillery. Uh, we are obviously a better known company here in Hawaii. Been around for about three years. Uh, we don't have any employees. Um, so everything you see in that bottle right there of Old Poly Road is done by somebody who has ownership in the company. 
Uh, I'm a distiller and so is Eric. So uh, we take turns working those uh, distills, making sure we're up to speed with everything. Um, we do uh, make a, uh, an American whiskey. It is a bourbon mash. So what that means uh, in the last show, if everybody was watching, um, bourbon mash just means that it's 50% uh, or more corn made in the United States and aged in a virgin white American oak barrel would make it a bourbon. Uh, just because of shipping, truthfully, we live here in the islands. Um, that bottle is three times as much to ship it in from mainland to Hawaii. So same thing with the barrels. So we reuse our barrels, um, but we are making a bourbon that'll be out in two years. We have large barrels that we're going to go ahead and age. We're moving on as we're progressing in this uh, endeavor. Um, big thing for us, honestly, is uh, we wanted to do something uh, that uh, wasn't given back to the community, but you know, in the military, you do a lot of destruction, honestly. You're trained from day one to go ahead and destroy shit, and you do it really well. Uh, and uh, this is creative now. We're actually creating something, which is a wholly different feeling. Um, and we're creating something that I can go ahead and take my kids to the store, and it's kind of fun. You walk in a safe way, and you're like, hey, look at that, and they see it. So it's a little bit different of a venture for us. Uh, the fun ride can't go on forever in the military. It's just not the way it works. Um, and next thing you know, you're sitting outside like a sergeant major, wondering why you're getting gas in the middle of nowhere. Um, you're doing that as a lieutenant colonel, as a planner. Uh, it just blows. Um, but uh, the big thing here is uh, we just wanted to go and do something as friends, truthfully. I get to make whiskey in Hawaii with my best friend. Life ain't going to get much better than that. I'm from Baltimore. I'm, I'm hitting way outside my weight class. If you ask any of my teachers, um, expected way less than me, of that from me. But uh, that's pretty much what we're enjoying right now. I'm going to turn it over to Eric, and he can tell you a little bit more about the product and everything else. So a lot of people ask, you know, hey, how'd you get into this? Well, how'd you, how'd you get into the idea or come up with the idea of making whiskey? And it actually started on a deployment. Uh, I was in uh, Baghdad in 2008 with JTF-134, and uh, uh, some guys got busted in their tubes making moonshine. And, you know, 2008 was before the DIY revolution of YouTube. So, I mean, you know, you can go on YouTube now. And you've got a car they only made 3000 of in 1947. There's going to be a video on how to do a brake job on that car now. And same thing with making spirits and stuff like that. But back then, the only way you were a distiller, you know, taking it past the point of brewing beer and then distilling the alcohol out of it was you were a chemist or uh, it was in your family, uh, you know, in the family, right? So uh, I started doing some reading about it, which was all you could do back then. I was fascinated by the idea because these kids were these kids were getting corn from out and down and sugar, and uh, they were making it in a coffee maker in their chew. And I was just thought that was I was fascinated by it, so I started doing all the research on my own, like how did they learn how to do that? And I figured out that it's pretty much illegal and uh, illegal in a felony kind of way. That uh, means you don't have a parents anymore if you get busted. So I kind of. I kind of tailed off of that and just focused on brewing beer for a little bit. And, uh, and then a guy that I had served with uh, in first recon battalion during a Fallujah deployment, who had since gotten out of the Marine Corps, he went to Indiana and then he was, he was actually he'd gone on to Indiana law school after that. Uh, one of the smartest Marines I've ever been around. He now owns a hotel Tango uh, distillery up in Indianapolis, but uh, he was my JTAC as a corporal. That's how smart dispatcher was. Uh, so, hey, he, Eric, Eric, real quick, was this before or after the 82nd bailed you out uh, in Fallujah? We actually fixed what the 82nd screwed up in Fallujah. And, oh, man, I was waiting for that one but, to come. So, um, 
The uh, 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 Travis said, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm finishing up law school. He gave me a call, but uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm not gonna practice law. I'm gonna distill. Uh, I'm gonna make whiskey. I'm gonna have a craft distillery." Which 2011, there wasn't such thing as craft distilleries. Really, there were less than 200 entities in the entire United States licensed to distill spirits. I mean, brewing beer, yeah, distilling spirits. It was a real, real small number, but one of his case studies he did during law school was that they were going to be changing the law. So he, you know, being a smart guy, he was, he's like, I bet the same thing happens with craft distilleries that happened with craft breweries. So, and he, you know, he knew what, he knew what he was doing from, uh, from experience growing up. So he, uh, he took a gamble and, and yeah, it was, uh, he got this thing going and it was just, it was amazing. And I go up and I'd spend time with them. I, I distilled bourbon with them and I saw the lifestyle that he had and I knew I had to retire from the Marine Corps at some point. So we kind of cooked up this idea and it was, uh, you know, make whiskey and surf. So here we are, we're making whiskey and surf and, and uh, it's, uh, it's all, all kind of coming, come, coming to fruition at this point. That's awesome. Uh, hey, also, the best golf course in Hawaii, uh, the, the hidden gem is the Royal Hawaiian, which is off to Pali. Uh, yeah. loved, loved playing there. No, no crowds, nothing like that. Maybe. So, again, let me get this straight. You guys didn't know anything about being distillers no, until that's... you decided to read about it. Uh, well, that started back in 2008. And, I, I mean, I, I invested as much time – into learning about this on my own as I did any of my degrees, you know, like, I, I mean, it was a lot of self-education and, uh, and then a lot of education by Travis, my friend, the distiller. So it was, um, but no, we didn't do it growing up. It wasn't in our, I mean, I had a, like five times removed great grandfather that was a distiller in St. Louis, but like I didn't learn it from in the family or anything like that or cousins or, you know, whatever. So we, we learn from we learn from Travis. We learn uh, uh, through self education, and a lot of it comes down to it's it's OJT. I mean, you can read a textbook all you want. Yeah. Shit's coming out of the, the still one way or another. You put heat on, but it's learn how to go ahead and do it because each still is different as well. There's not like this is the one type of still that there is out there. You go ahead and you have reflux stills, and you go ahead and play with it. And we definitely, you know, you gotta you just gotta go ahead and make it, make it, make it until you perfect it, and until you find something that you actually want on the shelf. I mean, the concept, yeah, exactly. the concept yeah. of stilling is super easy. I mean, methanol, which will make you go blind, boils at 148. Ethanol, which makes you feel good, boils at 173. And then water boils at 212. So you can separate them out just based on the boiling temperature. But well, this one is really making me feel good, so I think we're good to go. Very smooth. Yeah, it's, 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 80, it's 86 proof, right? And, uh, it, it's really smooth. I'm going to tell everybody watching right now, it is a very smooth whiskey. And I told yeah, you I was wondering when we got to the hits. point where we were supposed to be tasting this stuff and like it saying hits. what we thought. I already cheated and, and tasted it a few times, but yeah, uh, now, now not Bill, Bill, Bill is really mad right now because all he has is a canteen, maybe even a two quart. So he's pretty pissed off. Uh, the reason I asked you guys that loaded question about that you didn't know anything about distilling until you decided to figure out yourself is what were the message we're trying to put out for stopping soldier suicide. And again, it's a whole systematic thing. It's not just getting jobs. It's not just feeling good, uh, feeling being healthy. All it's a big system, right? Part of that is it doesn't matter what you did before. You just got to keep trying. And what you brought up is an awesome point about embracing ambiguity uh, to where 
I'm just going to keep trying until yeah. the right shit comes out. Right. And then eventually we're going to find it, but we're not going to quit. We're not going to stop because this one tasted bad. This one tasted bad. And I had a coach, uh, you know, Joe and Dave, they're good guys, but I had to coach them a little bit into like, you know what? Hey, just send it, man. That's our company motto. Just send it. Keep sending it until yeah. well, you know, we'll figure it out. I, we'll figure it out later. Like we're going to keep making it better. Everyone is going to be better. So and not what just, no, go, ahead. go ahead, Nick. Not just make and I didn't mean to interrupt you, Nick, but not just making the product better, but um, I saw you, the interview you guys did on Fox um, and maybe here in a minute you can hit on that when you kind of just shut everything down to make hand sanitizer. Um, yeah. to assist the community during whatever was going on. You know, we call it the coronavirus, whatever it may be. But, I mean, that's very honorable to, you know, kind of go that route and say, hey, we're going to stop a minute. We're going to help our community out so we can get better um, and assist everybody. If you guys want to hit on that, that'd be great. I, I think I think that's – I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, yeah, it, it was a decision. Um, but being anyone that does service, and I, I say military when we're doing that interview, obviously – like you were talking about earlier, my wife is a teacher, that's service. Um, but anyone that understands service uh, understands that there is a greater whole, and you're a part of that, and you want to go ahead and do something. There's nothing worse than feeling helpless. Honestly, when they tell you to stay home, do nothing. That wasn't in our nature. That's not going to happen. Uh, the government, to the, whatever you want to say to their credit this one time, uh, they were all about it. They said, okay, go ahead and make it. Here's your ingredients you can use. Here's the stuff that you can go ahead. Here's the recipe you can execute. So we just turned it off and said, we're actually making moonshine. We had 50 uh, gallons of moonshine. We're going to come out with a moonshine line. We took that and turned it into hand sanitizer and uh, started giving it away to the hospitals here. Um, and it was pretty bad. Not going to lie to you. So we got some great letters from people and people were so up. So the outpour of support for it was great. Um, and there wasn't like a coconut wireless to all the other veteran-owned distilleries around the U.S. But if you looked around, you saw all these ones jumping up the first ones that you're getting interviews with that are you know, starting to do it. And I mean, everyone else jumped on board and started doing it as well. But, you know, money is something you can, you can make doing something that you like or you can make it doing something you don't like. We'll make more money if we need to. But this was just one of those things where you say, hey, here's how I can give back. Here's how I can make myself relevant. Here's how I can go ahead and help the community. And if it does, I'm not going to lie to you, we didn't, saw, we, we didn't defeat COVID us here. But as a greater whole, all the distilleries here in Hawaii got together. We started Distillery Hui, which is like a distillery group or family. And then we started helping each other out once we started getting it all together. So it was a, it was a, it was a win-win for everybody. It was a positive for us. Um, and, you know, we do it again. It, it just makes sense. Hey, cheers to um, that. Very honorable. I think you guys are definitely giving back to the community and everything. Cheers to that. But, uh, so let me follow that up with a, another question for you guys. Now, I know Marines don't suffer from PTSD because, uh, you know, you're all, no matter, like, no matter what, if you're, a, if you're a pencil pusher, you're still a rifleman. And even though you didn't go to ranger school, now my, my ranger buddy in ranger school was a Marine recon guy, an old gunny sergeant. But, uh, you know, he went through, and I'm, but I'm pretty sure he's, because he's so tough. But let, let, tell, tell the audience a little bit about, you know, the transition from being active to being in charge of troops to be leading men to and women to all of a sudden, like, now what do I do? And obviously, you guys, we know the story. You jumped ahead, made a distillery. But what – tell us about PTSD and if you suffer from it and if you would, wouldn't mind going into that. I mean, I think everybody that experiences uh, a combat deployment is going to 
leave with something uh, that they're going to deal with afterwards that they didn't have before. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, and we, we honestly, we're trained to deal with it. You know, I mean, you think about the rigors of Marine Corps boot camp, there's a reason why it's made to be as stressful as it is because, uh, you know, you need people that can react and can deal with stressful situations and, and you know, not put a stress card up in the air when they're, uh, when they're, when they're feeling too much, too much pressure on themselves. So, but as far as, you know, for us, I think, um, um, you know, it, it is a challenge. Uh, I think that everyone uh, deals with, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter your rank uh, because uh, you're, you're all feeling it. Uh, when you're, it, it. Honestly, I think there's, we get so mad as, uh, as um, guys toting guns that, you know, some of the admin people, um, you know, are claiming PTSD that never even left the wire. But I, I, I starting to have a different perspective of, of that uh, because they're still in an extremely stressful uh, uh, situation in a compressed timeline, you know, that's probably more akin to someone experiencing, you know, like a natural disaster kind of thing because you're not actually getting shot at or whatever. You're just in like an environment. But uh, I'm starting to have different perspectives about that as well. And I'm probably a little more sympathetic than I used to be. 100% concur. Buddy can talk all about that with his PTSD experiences at the Green Beans Coffee and Spiker. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was going to go into, uh, I do like that you uh, you just, well, at the beginning of the show, we talked about the no more shark attack during basic training. Uh, and while I will agree with Nick, the guy that said it's because of the gays and ladies is an idiot. Yeah. The fact that we're taking out a steady increase of adding stress like, we're just going to get to – God damn it. All right, so Buddy's having we're, communication uh, no, problems. Are you good? All right, yeah. No, we're go ahead, going to get to a point where – you know, we're going to get to a point where, you know, the PTSD levels are going to go up because people aren't prepared yeah. for it. Yep. When, uh, when, when I, we first came in 20 years ago, you went to an intensive training cycle for six weeks, mm. and you didn't go home. You didn't go home. Like, I, I saw guys who – whose wives had babies and they were like, well, women have babies all the time. You'll see her when we get done. Like that was a real thing. And while hey, it was kind of jacked up, Dave. Yep. while it was kind of jacked up at the time, when you looked at it, you're like, man, that's messed up. You saw that those guys in 2002, 2003, 2004, through the thick of the fighting dealt with it. Uh, you know, especially or especially when it was happening a little bit easier than everybody because we we stepped up that like you got messed with at basic training you got your unit your team leader jacked you up on a daily basis you you know everybody you know treated you like what we like we're not going to do a shark attack we're not going to treat privates and give them any stress well who's going to send the memo to the bad guys and be like hey guys it's a little bit different army you can't be as stressful as you were before. Stress is a thing that you have to deal with, and you have to be inoculated by st or into stress. You can't I mean, just try to run that marathon without training for it. You got to train for it before you jump into it. It's, it's the same way point. I think with yeah. with coming down from that stress high that we deal with all the time, yeah. and then you know little by little, it, you kind of got to find some jobs as you're about to get out that kind of lower that stress level a little bit. Because if you go from being like you know, in charge of everybody in the middle of combat and then get dropped in the civilian sector the next day. 
that train that train stops but it what you were saying about basic we, like like basic and boot camp are designed i mean they're they're like designed systematically to break you under stress and build you back up so that stress is like a band-aid coming off they're designed that's that's the design to build a fucking marine or a soldier for christ's sake you're gonna take that away so what takes the civilian out of these people you know that i mean what what, what takes the civilian out of them if, if you're not part of something bigger than yourself and your feelings always matter more than what's going on then where in the fuck do you turn into a Marine or a soldier? I mean, I'm not sorry for cussing. What in the, I mean, are you fucking serious? I mean, I know Bill's probably sitting there insulted. I mean, who isn't insulted on this panel by that, by that idea, that ideology? It's insanity. It's Bill's actually like, Bill's thrown from Tradoc back onto the line of a unit he didn't have a choice to go to. So I'll talk to shit for him. But His hair looks good. You know, his hair does look good, but That's now funny. he's dealing, he's dealing with that, you know, and again, it's cool to be tough. It's cool to be hard. But when you look at soldier suicide, it's the 45 to 50 to 60 year olds that are killing themselves. Yeah. Right. And they're the, as the veteran community and they're, it's, and again, there's lots of reasons. And, you know, one of the main reasons is pain, physical pain, you know, dealing with it, the opioids, all that kind of stuff. Um, but Again, I've been, you, buddy, it's triggered me. I'm, I'm being a triggered pansy right now. It's triggered me with that, with that guy's comment about women, right? Like, I'm like, you do realize that women are designed. Have you ever seen a woman that's eight months pregnant walking around? Right? Like, do you do realize yeah. how much pain she's in? Do you realize what she's going through? It's like, Nick, we've all been, uh, we've all been on combat jumps before. We understand everything a woman's going through. Yeah. For, <laughs> yeah. I'm not signing off on that card, buddy. Not a chance. My wife watches this show, but I wouldn't even agree with that in a second. That um, was plenty of shit though. I didn't say that, I didn't say that. honey. Honey, you yeah, heard that. Yeah. Honey, honey, right? say honey, that. Honey, honey, buddy. Buddy, single. That's why he's single. Babe, that's don't exactly listen to that on the podcast because you, you might think that was me. Um, buddy, that's why you haven't gotten into the house for 18 weeks. Exactly. That's why you're not allowed like, Hey, you I'm, in right Shut up. Shut yeah. up. I'm in right now. Shut up. I'm in right now. Yeah, until she hears this one. But anyways, till, uh, anyways, so. Hey, so I just wanted to say, so I did my, ten, my first 10 years to exactly what you're saying. I went from being in Ramadi, living in Ramadi for seven months, came back two months later, I was out of the Marine Corps and was back in Hawaii with my wife, and I was gonna go ahead and do that civilian thing and do whatever I wanted to do. He was the mayor of Ramadi, actually. Yeah. It, was, it was a fun time. Nat Geo special on it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so we, we were doing this, and truthfully, that stress level, exactly what you were just talking about, it, you go from here, you, you're king shit, right? In the middle of nowhere, you're the guys with the guns and everything, and you're making sure people are trying to stay alive, to getting out, and no one really cares who the hell you are. Um, and there's an emotional thing with that. My wife, three months into it, she's like, okay, so when are you going back and joining the military? Because you're driving me nuts. Uh, luckily, during the, the next 10 years, I got a chance to activate to be in charge of the Wounded Warrior Detachment, um, dealing with a lot of the stuff that you're talking about right now, about suicides, uh, having the phone call every two nights about somebody wanting to hurt themselves, and you ride your up to it and trying to figure out solutions. And it's not a solution thing. It's not like A plus B equals C. It's a lifetime thing. It doesn't matter. When you go, you, if you were, weren't changed by your, 
by your events over there in anywhere you're employed, then you really weren't there. You weren't taking it to heart and you weren't trying your hardest because I can't see too many people that go over there and do that sort of stuff out in the town, see the shit on a daily basis, um, see the carnage, see, see the good, you know, and try and figure it all out. And when you come back to here, I mean, you, you go ahead and you see what's happening in our, in our country today, you know, and things are just triggered, you know, things happen that way. And we did a lot of good. I mean, for exactly, um, not sure. Uh, but yeah, and for, for three years, I got a chance to go ahead. If you're not going down range, helping out somebody who did, or even if they didn't, you know, we had people that were over there for, you know, say what you want, but they were in there for different things. Maybe they should have never been in the military, but you do. I treated everybody as a hero. That was the motto. It's everyone that was there signed up to go downrange, whether the government told them to go to or not. We were going to take care of them the same way. Um, and, and it was a positive experience. And you could see very good groups of people, you know, working outside the military to help these guys. And, and my biggest thing would be seek out help. It is out there. There are all kinds. Most people want to help. What you want about Americans being selfish or whatever, I, I would venture to believe that most people want to help. If you see somebody struggling, there ain't that, that many cold-hearted bastards out there that don't want to go ahead and lend a hand, uh, especially with military, because they understand we live in a different time. My dad was a Vietnam guy. He came back and people would spit on him, you know, stuff like that. He tells me all kinds of stories. He was Army, so I don't hold that against him. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he was in a different environment. Here, people want to help you. They want to talk to you about it. They want to do those sort of things and to reach out. If you're having a hard time, there are so many people that are out there for you. Please. I mean, if anybody gets anything out of this besides good taste and whiskey, people need to go ahead and reach out. And it's not, it's not a sign of weakness to talk about shit. You should talk about it. The most therapeutic thing you can do is talk about it. I mean, that's the biggest problem we have with recon Marines or Marine snipers committing suicide is because they've gone to the, they've gone from this environment where, uh, you know, you're, you're on a, you're on a, you, you, you've gone through all this screening and training and you've earned it and you're around people that are like you and think like you and so on and so forth. And they move back to their wife's place in Kentucky or whatever. And there's not a single person in town that they can identify with because we don't just, we don't produce enough of those kinds of Americans that can meet that criteria to be a ranger or to be a SEAL. And so, I mean, you might get a couple out of each little town and, and they go back to that town and maybe there's a guy like them or not. And they, they can't identify. And that's why they feel lonely. It's not because they don't have friends, but they're all his wife's friends or whatever. So, I mean, they got to reach out and talk to people. You're absolutely right. I'm going to hand this over to Joe because I know exactly what Joe is about to say. I, I think the biggest issue is changing the culture um, on how it's okay to go seek help. You know, um, coming from the infantry, 82nd, I mean, all of us. My God, you just go to sick call your shit, shit bag, you know, and I think Buddy hit on this a couple episodes ago, and that was just the culture back then, and then, you know, that's instilled in you, and then you get out, and you're just like, well, I'm not going to reach out to anybody, it's just in your head, and Joe can probably talk about this a little bit, I know that's what he was going to hit on, because he got out, and he went through some troubled times, sure. um, obviously, sure. here now, you know, with us, everybody's good, but um, yeah. it's a culture, and we got to change the culture as NCOs, you know, for us that are still serving, we have to change that culture. Like, it's okay. Like, if you're hurt or if you have a mental problem or, you know, go see, seek help, you know. And uh, sadly, uh, I think that is the biggest problem. If we really had to – we can't fix it all, but it's the culture. It's all in the culture. Yeah. Hey, hey, Joe, before you get started, I want to hit with what Ian said again about A plus B, you know, equals C. 
Uh, and I've, I've driven that point home a couple times on this show, and it's, it's, a, it's the English language of being linear. So again, there's a whole systematic thing that's going on. It's not just one thing. A plus B does not equal C when it comes to this. And again, uh, it's, it's so frustrating that, you know, we grow up and you hear it. It's like, we can't talk about it. It'd be tough. Don't say anything. And it's like, nah, man, everybody on this right now, and I'm going to give the Marines some credit. Everybody on this right now, we've seen blood. We've seen bodies come apart. It's happened, right? We've seen it. All right? I've, seen the, I've seen the worst of it. We've all seen the worst of it. But again, it's not linear. It's a whole system. Mind, body, spirit, everything. And again, the good whiskey never hurts either when you just take a little sip. Now you drink too much of it. Not a big deal. But Joe, on to you, man. You start feeling like Dave. Hey, man. Hey, real quick before Joe goes, can we See, talk about how this? Uh, how old? How, how long was this? Uh, Jesus this Christ! In the, how long was it? Uh, in the barrel? How long was it? Because this is some super smooth whiskey. Just so you know. Uh, Danger smooth. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's our quote. That's my wife's wall suck right now. It's Danger yeah. smooth, Bill. Hey, hey, Bill. How does it taste? Kind of like a shutout, I imagine. Yeah, so he, uh, I mean, let, let's let's talk about that real quick. First of all, Bill, Joe, we six to, fights. The three of them happened, so we scored Joe, three. Joe, for you to get points, it took a card full of nobodies, and half those nobodies had to back out. Oh, my, for Christ's sake. It sounds like a win to me. <laughs> I guess. It's kind of like kissing your cousin. You got the first base, but does it really? Bill, you won the week before <laughs> on a girl fight, so, I mean. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. First of all. I know we're not talking about how is it. He's from Alabama. He's allowed to kiss his Hold cousin. Hold on now. Yeah, now yeah. we're getting a little close to home yeah. with this cousin kissing stuff. Like it's, it's all right if it's consensual. Mm. <laughs> all right, Joe. There's your soapbox. Let's go. What do you got, buddy? Fan, fantastic. All right, I'm gonna roll into something completely different. Um, yeah, I I could go for days about the uh about what happened. I mean, honestly. I, I got no problem talking about it, and I, and if I take up the time with it, that's fine. But uh, I'll roll with what we were talking about. Um, yeah, I, amongst this group um, that I'm here with, I'm the only one that has uh, left, you know, the military and 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 been a civilian for for a while. And the reason why I even wanted to start something like this is because of the fact that um, we did kind of lose touch. And it wasn't because of any other thing than life happened. And that's just the way it went down. But, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely went, went to the VI. definitely went, went and got help and uh, um, went through their PTSD program. And, and, and all this stuff I did, um, even then, and, and, it, and it rings true with what Dave and these guys are saying, even then, I didn't even want to – these guys didn't even know until I just said it just now that I did that because – as an 82nd guy and, and as the guys we served with, I was uh, part of me was ashamed of it. Part of, part of me had trouble. They didn't want, didn't want them to see it. Um, and it wasn't so much that I thought they wouldn't be supportive. It was that I, I, it was, uh, it was hard for me to say I was struggling in front of them. And it was because of the culture that we served in. And it's no, it's nobody's fault. It, it, it was a track that was laid before we came. Um, but 
Yeah, I absolutely went through it. And, and uh, that, that program probably at that moment in my life probably um, uh, saved everything. Because you know, I'd gone through brutal divorce, um, knew nobody in North Carolina except for my son, and I'm not leaving my son, so I stayed. And being single without my brothers and coming out of a bad relationship, I, that was a dangerous year for me. Where if I would have been talking to Nick every day, he probably would have caught me on one or two bad days and been like, hey, man, I'm going to come come over there and beat the shit out of you. If you don't like, like, what the hell's wrong? What, you know, what the fuck's the matter with you? You know, stop. Like, if I had them in my life and had them around at that time, and that was my choice because I, I could have very easily been checking in, um, I wouldn't have been acting like that. And I wouldn't have felt like that. And, and if you, you know, I've talked to Bill about that, these suicides, you never hear about guys doing it in front of their brothers. It's almost always after they lost contact. A lot of times it's after they changed units. You know, and the only sense that I can make of it, and I could be wrong, but the only sense that I can make of it is that uh, when you lose that contact with your brothers, if you don't have a good support system around you, you know, thank God, you know, I've, I've got one here that I am married to and somehow stands me that understands who you are and what you've been through and puts up with that shit. Uh, if you don't have that around, man, does it, it, it absolutely gets lonely. Absolutely, because you don't, it's not, you can be in a room full of a thousand people and feel like you are absolutely by yourself and get me the, out of here. And it's not like being claustrophobic, it's that I don't want to talk to any of them because what in the do I have to say to them? You know? So I had a soapbox written down about LeBron James and his tweets, but this is much, much more uh, important. So I'm going to skip him and uh, maybe address him like E40 did to Rasheed Wallace. Stick to basketball. Shut up. Um, but, anyways. That's 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 a that's a different story for a different time because I don't want to go too long winded. Um, I just Nick, I, I I was gonna actually include you on this. Did you know that he LeBron James is actually a student of uh, white collar uh, fraud sentencing guidelines and the discrepancy and how racist it is. Because, I mean, I'm not talking about Lori Laughlin like you knew exactly what he was talking about. I'm just saying I thought he was a basketball player who graduated high school and never went to school again. But that's right. just me. I th I mean. I know that that's my own narrative, as they like to say, because he said that everybody that voted for Giannis was following in a narrative, even though he, you know. Now, now me, me being a Bucks fan, me being a Bucks fan, obviously I'm going to take Giannis all day, right? But as a basketball fan, LeBron's the best player every year. So, again, you go with like Colin Cowherd, those guys always say, like, they're not going to vote for that guy. Why Every do you year. think that 88 people Because it's not sexy. It's not sexy. It's not sexy to keep voting for the same guy, right? Okay. But it does it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Okay. The point is, is like you said, is LeBron's not educated. All right. You can LeBron hear when you hear him when you hear him speak, it's painful. If I was right. one of his minions, I'd give him the librarian, like, Shh, don't stop. Just cut right. it out. But again, again, steward of the profession, right? He is doing what he thinks is right. So it doesn't really matter. Um, the whole issue of it is, is I'm going to watch LeBron play because he's one of the greatest athletes ever. So I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Did you win the fights? The first two fights on the main card I picked. Not, not, not right. Perfect. Okay. Holland by decision. Uh, Durham by submission. So good, good thing you're on the field for this one, Bill, because I'm – Yeah, Bill, you would have got your ass rocked on this one. 
I'd be hey, sick. Let's give hey, let's give a couple let's give a couple minutes to Bill. Bill, tell us what NTC is like. Please give Bill. us that. Give us that because I know that the guys in Hawaii need something funny to drink to, and they are definitely not in your position. Well, our NTC looks a lot like this, but uh, yeah, like Arizona, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's been hot and stupid the whole time here. Uh, hey, going on to the, the culture thing you guys were talking about earlier. Uh, yeah, we got to get away from the culture, not just, you know, going to the medics, the ACs for a profile that makes you shit back, especially in the behavior health realm. Uh, while we were out here, we had two or three suicides back in the rear just while we've been out here. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and a lot of that, I truly believe in, in the army wise, it's that stigma about going to behavioral health that, Hey, maybe they just need to talk to somebody. And a lot of that, I'll, I'll be honest with you, probably does go into, there is some generational stuff in there, I think with resiliency, but that, that, that could be an entire episode, but, uh, we do have to start us leaders, you know, everyone on this group right now really have to start, uh, really pushing to change that culture of it's okay for these soldiers to go to behavioral health. Because I'd much rather have a kid that goes to three appointments a week to talk to somebody for an hour than having to call up a parent because we found their kid, you know, ha hanging in the closet in his barracks room. Uh, it's, the the culture's just getting bad. Uh, the suicides are getting even worse. Uh, so that's why this this group is amazing. And hopefully, you know, even even you know, just this week, I've been plugging away at at accepted people trying to join the group. You know, the more more people who get into this group, the more people listen. Hopefully, the more people we can reach and stop making that you know that final solution to a temporary problem. No, absolutely, Bill. That was awesome. So before uh, before Dave takes over and closes us out, uh, we're gonna you give got the it, last. Nick. You got it. Uh, no, we'll get the we'll give uh we're actually gonna give the Coal Out Distillery Ian uh, and Eric the last word and uh, anything you put out a website, put out any information you need to put out and uh, better known all that kind of stuff and. Man, this is great whiskey, man. This tastes great. Thank Very you. Very good. Um, just for our products, um, before we do that, um, we are hosting uh, with the Recon Foundation uh, a Gold Star uh, retreat uh, weekend, or weekend, Gold Star family. Uh, we have, uh, they have lost uh, either a Recon Marine or a Navy Corpsman that was uh, a SARC attached to uh, the reconnaissance uh, teams. Um, so that's going to come out here in October. Um, so if you go to the Recon Foundation website, you can donate if you want. Um, the Paul Mitchell Estate down in Lanakai is going to go ahead and donate their place. So thanks to those guys uh, for the entire time. They're going to come up, take tours. We're going to take them out, surf, and have a good time. Uh, for us, um, Eric, if you want to go talk about it. Yeah, just real quick. If, if anyone that's watching this wants to uh, you know, support us, support our veteran-owned business, uh, you can go to our website, which is uh, if you guys could put a link in, that'd be great. But cool. we will, we will. We're gonna plug it on the videos, everything. Awesome, and, and you can uh, you can purchase, and if you live in the right state, uh, you, you know they talked about it on the Tenth Mountain. If you live in if the state allows it, uh, you can order this off the website and have it delivered to your house. It comes in nice, good packaging. Uh, in addition, we've been partnering with Manoa uh, uh, Chocolate here in Kailua. They're an award-winning chocolatier, and we're actually soaking their cacao nibs in our whiskey, and then they make chocolate out of it. So if you want to order some, you can order some chocolate for the wife, and you'll get in a little bit less trouble if you spend some money on whiskey. Uh, so it'll ease the blow. So I definitely I like that. that. That's a smart move there. 
Yeah, if you, you're showing up with uh, with uh, super high end dark chocolate uh, along with the whiskey. You're, you're, you're it, it softens the blow. So, um, but no, we just we appreciate what you guys are doing, and we appreciate the the, the style of it. You know, I, I like the talking trash, uh, um, you know, kind of genre, but I, I love that you take it serious and you're really doing this, thinking about the troops. And uh, you know, I mean, that's. That's what leaders do, and so it's obvious that you guys are leaders within uh, not only your units, you know, in your official job, but you're leaders within the army uh, outside of your official job. So uh, hats off to you guys. And just to wrap up, what we were talking about earlier, when I was over there with the Winter Warrior Detachment, uh, each regiment had like seven of these. They weren't behavioral health specialists; they were had a FAP, what they were called. What I can't remember the acronym, but you you go there and it's kind of like the beginning levels of that behavioral. I just made everybody go down there in the command. Didn't matter if you were staff or if you're a recovering service member. You can sit there in the room for an hour, play on your iPhone. You just need her to go ahead and sign off on your card. I don't care. Everyone's going to do it. You take the stigma away by making everyone do it. Everyone goes down there. If you talk about it, I went down there and talked the story because, you know, I love my wife, but she's also got the way she feels about stuff and the way I feel about stuff. You need that, that third party that has nothing to do with your situation to give you that different perspective. And we just make everybody go at least once a month. If you want to go more, go more. But you take that, you take the stigma away by doing it more. And you know, exactly that. I don't want to be burying anybody. And also I, I don't want them freezing up in the doorway either. You know, when you go down range because they're having issues. So it's a win-win if you can get somebody help. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. All right, hey, uh, cheers, guys. Cheers to uh, Cola Distillery, uh, buddy. Did you get that line cut up yet, or I just saw you that you kept uh, like what, I don't know what you were doing. It looks like there. it's like self mutilating down there. Are you self mutilating? Hey, sometimes, there? sometimes, sometimes so you gotta I, do it. Obviously, you know, I need to. I gotta. I gotta. Yeah, you so caught me. I, you caught me self mutilating. You're right. I wasn't cutting calluses at all. Some of yeah, us have I, calluses from doing work, Nick, and they get thick. <laughs> you gotta cut them off. Not a huge deal. Obviously, this is good stuff when you got Buddy Beckwith, the Green Beret, not paying any attention to what we're doing, and he's just playing with his hands. So it's, this is obviously really good stuff. But I mean, are you yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not paying attention. That's why. That's why the Green Beret noticed those two badass recon paddles they got sitting behind them. Nobody else noticed or said well, anything about. You're a, sc you're a scuba guy. Because you two, you idiots, don't even know what a recon paddle is. Well, you actually hey, Nick, what you, Nick, hey, Nick, what do you, Nick, what do you say about the first person who name calls in a debate? Uh, he lost. Oh, well, there you go, buddy. Once yeah, again. So there you go. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but, but, but buddy, uh, is right. They do have the recon paddles back there in the scuba and then buddy was scuba. So the combat dive school, excuse me. Uh, so that, that is all awesome stuff. Remember, check us out on Spotify. Check us out on iTunes. All right, go on our store, buy our swag. Uh, part of our proceeds go to Stop Soldier Suicide, and then we're going to have our own fundraiser set up in Stop Soldier Suicide for all holistic healing. So the money that you give to us goes to them, and it goes to the muscle activation, the brain treatment, the psychology, and all that kind of stuff. It was an absolute pleasure having you guys here. Koalal, thanks for coming, and uh, we'll see Thank you guys you next week. Cheers, fellas. Cheers, Cheers guys.